I believe it was uh, last week, maybe last Sunday, I'm not sure, but I was just making a comment about whenever I go to God in prayer, I have this kind of visual picture in my mind, not detailed or anything. I'm not saying everybody has to, that's the way to do it, just something that I have and uh, the way to approach God's throne of grace. And uh, at our Bible study Wednesday night, that starts at 7 (laughs) o'clock. And, uh, (laughs) but anyway, so we had some, there were some questions and things like that uh, about that. And and there are some questions that would, uh, would come if we think about going to God in prayer, going before the throne of grace. And I apologize, of course, you can't find a, a prop that would do justice, but we have this here, and we kind of look at this as the throne of, of God, and, and uh, again, whenever I, I see something, I see, as I pray, as I go before him, uh, I see a great throne, and I don't see details, but I, I kind of imagine light and so forth like that, as I imagine the throne of God. Some other things that I also uh, visualize, So we'll title our lesson tonight, Daysman, and we'll try to get there, Lord willing, when we start out with that. But how can we go to the God's throne of grace in prayer? How how do we go? And the scripture brought up uh, Wednesday night, uh, and we know that God here is not sinners. So... That's in the scriptures. That's true. We know that, that's John 9 chapter. We know God here is not sinners. So how do you go? How do you approach the throne of God in prayer? Or can we? We know that God here is not sinners. And the scripture I know David's familiar with in Romans 3rd chapter. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So how God here is not sinners. And all sin comes short of the glory of God. How do, we, how do we go before the throne in prayer? Uh, we read a lot in Romans, the, the fifth chapter, said, whereas by one man, Sin entered into the world, and we know that's Adam, by, but, but yet it happened. By one man, sin entered in the world, and sin is in the world. And then it says, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. God here not a sinner. All men have sinned. All sin comes short of the glory of God. So how how do we go before the great throne of God? There's a scripture we'll probably go read a little later, but start with, I won't. But uh, 
Moses. Moses wanted to see the glory of God. And he said, Thou canst not see my face. There shall no man see me and live. That's what he told Moses. Moses wanted to see his glory. He says, Thou canst not see my face. There shall no man see me and live. How do you go before the throne of God in prayer? <clears throat> Isaiah 64 and 6, we talk about it a lot or I quote a lot. For we are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. So I looked up my filthy rags, and all of our right, we're all as an unclean thing, and unclean things, you can search the scriptures, there's a lot of unclean things. And said, so all of our righteousness, not part of it, all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Now, most of the religious world doesn't really believe that. They think, well, I'll clean it up. Helen's not here tonight, but her and I talked before about an individual. You know, people talk about, well, you turn over a new leaf. And he said, that leaf's just dirty on the other side. And, and so this shirt, is, it's just dirty on the back side. So if you turn this over, it's dirty all the way through. We're all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. So this is the best we could do. This is we are. Could we go before the throne of God like this? With a pure God allows something like this. Moses said, I want to see your glory. He says, you can't. You can't see my face. No one's seen my face and live. You can't go before the throne of God and live. And see, that's what the scripture says. Why? Well, kind of understand why. So, we've, as we look at this, we've got a problem, don't we? We've got a problem. And Job recognized that. And if we'll go to Job in the ninth chapter, which we talk about a lot, Job realized that we've got a problem. Now, Job had his ebb and flow of understanding through the scriptures. And in the last chapter, then he really began to see. Uh, he was still in his ignorance sometimes uh, in some of the things that he said. But he said something in Job chapter 9 and verse 30. He says, If I wash myself with snow and make my hands never so clean, yet thou shalt plunge me in a ditch, and my own clothes shall whore me. So Job's true statement here. He says, if I wash myself with snow, the purest thing he could think of, and make my hands never so clean, yet thou shalt plunge me in a ditch, 
and my own clothes would whore me. What we cover, if, if we looked at our washing ourselves, he said, if I wash myself. So anything we look at that we wash ourselves, we cleanse ourselves, we turn over a new leaf ourselves, then that covering that we cover ourselves with is filthy rags. And yes, the plunge us in the ditch. It's what we deserve. Go before, you can't go before God this way. So Job saw that we had a problem. So I washed myself with snow. I do the best I can. I cleanse. You know, the Pharisees uh, kind of was like this. And he said, well, you may clean the outside of the cup. You may clean up the outward fleshly man, but inside, full dead man's bones. So... And uh, still in Job here, let's look at verse 32. So here's a, a dose of reality. After making that statement, the best I can do, I just, he just plunged me in a ditch. My own clothes would whore me, that which I cover myself with. Verse 32, for he is not a man as I am, as, as I am that I should answer him. And we should come together in judgment. So what he says, you know, if I make myself so clean, uh, yet what I cover myself with, he'd, he would he'd cast me in the ditch. And then he said, he said, this God on this throne, he's not a man. I can't go bargain with him we may uh, we was talking about some housing before services started and some poor housing and people may do some bargaining or something like that but he says God's not a man I can't go before him bargaining with him so Job Saul, we've, we've really got a problem. And he understood that. But then something else, still in his ignorance, he said something else that wasn't true, but in verse uh, 33, neither is there any daysman between us that might lay his hand upon us both. So Job, what Job was saying is, oh, if there was this, he said, God's, he's not a man that I can bargain with him. He said, but if I had a, a daysman, a, a go-between, put their hand on God and put their hand on me. I, I can't bargain with God. He's not a man that I can bargain with him. But if I had this daysman, put a hand on God and hand on me, a go-between. Job didn't realize that time had one, but anyway, that's, that's what he said. Uh, Job still had some ignorance. He said, neither is there any daysman between us that might lay his hand upon us both. Boy, that would be, I, Job was saying, that'd be ideal, I think. I, I, he said, 
I can't go before God. I can't, if I wash myself with snow, make my hands never so clean, yet thou shalt plunge me in a ditch. My own clothes would abhor me. I, I can't go before God. He's not a man. I can't, I as a man, I can't go before him and, and bargain with him. He said, and there's not a daysman. He's wrong there, wasn't he? But he said, there's not a daysman, neither is any daysman put a hand on God and on me because I can't, I'm a man. God's not a man. I can't can't go before God and bargain with him and so forth. So Job's really in a bad way and in bad shape here. And uh, he said, neither is any daysman. Let me give you uh, some definitions of this word, daysman. In the Hebrew, it would be pronounced something like uh, yalka. And it means, so Job said there wasn't any, neither is any daysman. Well, there is. He just didn't know it at that time. But what is this daysman? So the definition of this word in, in the Hebrew, to be right. To argue. Now, as I read these, think of attorney going before judge. To argue. Calls to decide justly. Dispute. Dispute the charges. Job said, I don't have a daysman. I wish there was one. Put their hand on God. Put their hand on me. I'm just a man, and God's not a man. I can't go and bargain with him. I can't dispute charges. It means plead, to plead our case. And again, that's what Job was saying. Neither is any daysman. He was wrong. There is a daysman, and he was still in his ignorance this time. But if there was a daysman, someone that would plead my case, that's what he said he needed. <laughs> Or it also means reason together. If we had that one, a daysman that could put their hand on God and their hand on me, because I can't reason, I can't bargain with God, but boy, if we had that daysman that could do that. And listen to this, again, another part of this definition. To be in front in the forepart. I think that's, well, it doesn't matter if I think it's a good definition or not. It is a definition, and I happen to think, I happen to agree that it is a good one. So this daysman, Job said, oh, neither is any daysman. But wouldn't it be great to be in front in the forepart? We've already established That's what we need. No man can go before God and see his face and live. We need somebody else in the forefront. I don't want to be in the forefront. We need somebody else in the forefront. And that's what Job said. He said, there's not any. Nobody to negotiate with God. Nobody to plead my case. Nobody in the forefront. Just me. And he's just going to plunge me in the ditch. Daysman. To argue, to prove, to show. 
So that's a daysman. Job thought it'd be wonderful. He didn't realize we had one, but he thought that's what he need. So I talked about whenever I go to the Lord in prayer, I visualize something. So I have uh, another, we'll call it a throne for, for our illustrations. And this one, I'm going to put it on the right side of this one. And this one, let's say it's stained with blood. Kind of red. We can use our imagination. Let's say it's stained with blood. Jesus Christ is seated on the right hand of God. He is our daysman. Go to Romans 8 and 34 if you're turning with me. And we'll see that very plainly. Job said, oh, we, I really need a daysman. There's not any, but that's what I need. I see my condition. I see who God is, and I can't bargain with him. Really need a daysman to go between, somebody in between. Romans 8 and 34. Who is he that condemneth? Shall Christ that died... Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. You see that intercession? That's, that's the one that goes uh, uh, to the front, that goes in front, not us. He's sitting in the right hand of God making intercession for us. It's not us. It's him. And let me read in Hebrews 7.25 a scripture you know that I dearly love. Hebrews 7 and uh, 25. Wherefore he is talking about Jesus Christ. Wherefore he is able. Well, that kind of rules you out and that kind of rules me out. Whatever this is going to be, he's able, but we're not. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. And I love that word. What a wonderful word. It means no other means possible. You can't be any more saved than what Jesus Christ saves. Saved to the uttermost. No other, no other way possible to be saved. Can't, can't be any more saved. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. That come to God by him. How do we come to God? All oh, the honor and glory goes to him. He's the one that brings us. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's our daysman. He's our attorney. He makes intercession for us, not we ourselves. And then verse 26 goes on and said, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher uh, than the heavens. So this is, we do have a daysman. That's exactly what Jesus Christ is. He's making intercession. He's seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. We can't go before God. Nobody can go before God and live. That's what he told Moses. You can't see my face. 
You see my face and enter in judgment with me this way. No man can do that and live. We need somebody else to, uh, to be in front in the four part. That's what we need. Don't need ourselves. Hebrew 9 and 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. You know, they had the tabernacle and the temple and everything like that where they offered sacrifices. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. I hope you can say, for me. So Christ is seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. What would it be if we didn't have this? There's no way to approach him. I can't bargain with him. I can't go in the forefront. I would die. He said, no man's seen his face at any time. No one's been before him. They would die. But we have a daysman, Jesus Christ. And as I mentioned, uh, I, I guess it was last week, whenever I go to pray, I visualize something like this. Not details. I don't see God's figure in Jesus. I see light. I see a presence on a throne in his right hand knowing that this is Christ. And this is how I go to prayer. I don't approach God in prayer. I go through Jesus Christ. And don't we at least end our prayer in Jesus' name we pray? Many times I kind of start out this way. We go before the throne of grace. I don't go before myself. But through his shed blood and his righteousness and his obedience and not our own. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. And verse 18. Come now... And let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, sins are scarlet. If you go directly to God, that's what he sees. He sees your sin. That's what, because that's what we are. All sin comes short of the glory of God. But we go through Christ. Although our sins may be a scarlet, he sees us how? White as snow. Don't go before his throne on your own. But going through Christ and what Christ has done, he sees us white as snow. Isaiah 53, we go there a lot. Usually we stop before we get to verse 12, but I'd like to read verse 12. 
uh, Isaiah 53. And we know the first part of this chapter uh, is talking about Jesus Christ, uh, a plan out of dry ground, talking about his virgin birth and everything, and how he was despised and rejected. Uh, all we like sheep have gone astray, and, and everyone turned to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Your scarlet sins were laid on Jesus Christ. That's why he went to the cross. That's what he paid for at the cross. Uh, go down to verse 10 maybe. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It's talking about God Almighty, God the Father. It pleased him to bruise Jesus Christ. And I've said that word bruise is, is not what we would think. Some, somebody falls and says, oh, do you get hurt? I have this little bruise. That, this means smite, crush. It's a very strong word. Yet it pleased the Lord to crush him, to smite him. It's talking about putting him on the cross. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Why did it please the Lord to crush him, to put him on the cross? And sometimes we ask questions like that, and we're not going to... Uh, and we ask, why did God do this or why did God do that? I understand. But here I think we can. Why did God do that to Jesus Christ, his only begotten son? Because he saw the price that it paid. He saw you. And by crushing Jesus Christ, paid for our redemption. And that's why we can go to God through Jesus Christ. And I'll read on in uh, verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. So God the Father saw the travail of the soul of Jesus Christ on the cross, and he was satisfied with the payment. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now let me read verse 12. Like I said, normally we stop there. Verse 12, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. He's still there at the right hand of God, making intercession for you and I. That's how we approach God through Jesus Christ. Uh, now let's go, I, yeah, we have time. Let's go back to, to Exodus chapter 33 where Moses said, I, I want to see your glory. Exodus chapter 33. That's where God said, no, can't do that. Can't see my face. Exodus 33 and... Uh, Verse, start in verse 18. Exodus 33 and 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. That's what he said to God. And he said, 
I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. You can't approach God's throne of grace on you, look at his face in judgment. You won't live. No man can see his face and live. In fact, it'd be eternal death is what you'd have and what we deserve. So, you, you can't see my face. There shall no man see me and live. And then verse 21. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. We talked about a rock a few weeks ago, didn't we? And that rock was Christ. He said, you can't, see my, you can't come before me. You can't see my face. You come before me in judgment, and no man can do that and live. But there is a place, a place by me. Can I just uh, make a comment here, not adding to the scriptures? But, and the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me. And maybe we could say, it's on my right hand. There is a place by me, and I'm going to say it's by my right hand. And thou shalt stand upon a rock. And again, we know that rock is Christ. And, and he goes on. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So what he said here, you can't, you can't come straight before my face in judgment. No man can. He would die. You can't see that. But there is a place. There is a place by me. A place on a rock. And he says, when I go by you to show you my glory, I'll put you in the cleft of that rock and I'll shield you so you won't die. We talked, I think, Recently, a cleft of that rock, uh, that rock was Jesus Christ. And it said, well, I think we looked to the pit of the rock from where you were digged. That's the, the, side, the hole in the side of Jesus Christ for his shed blood. That's what we look to. And that's where we, again, as we go before God, a place by him on his right hand. A place near him, on a rock, in a cleft of the rock. There you'll be protected. But don't, don't ever feel in your mind you can go straight to the throne of God. No man can do that and live. Uh, did we already read... Now, Isaiah 51, just for a quick moment. Isaiah 
Isaiah 51 and, and 1. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from which ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which ye are digged. We talked about that recently. You are digged from the hole of that rock, Jesus Christ. That's where, that's where Adam's bride came from. That's where the bride of Jesus Christ comes from, from his side. Look to that rock, the hole of the pit. And that's when, he, that's when he told Moses, he says, No man can see my face and live. But there is a place by me. Place near me. On a rock. And then when I go, you can see my glory, not my face, not in judgment. But I'll put you in the cleft of that rock, and I'll, there you'll be protected. And there we're protected in Jesus Christ. So, as we go before God's throne of mercy and grace, I was going to make a couple signs here. Approaching him from the front, what we are, that's not the throne of grace and mercy. That's where sin is going to be paid for, judgment. And you know how it's paid for? Jesus Christ on the cross. So we don't go that way. Uh, think of the, the Passover. The original Passover. We talk about that a lot too. God said... One place he says the death angel or the, or the destroyer. I believe the destroyer. The next place he says, he said, when I go through. So it's God, regardless of what tools he may use. When I go through. You remember the plague was going to be on the firstborn. Betty, we, we talked about that a lot. But you know, he told certain ones to take a lamb, shed his blood, a lamb without spot and blemish, which of course is Jesus Christ. You shed his blood, you take that blood, and we talked about that. You take hyssop, and you put it on the two side posts, and you put it on, on, on the lintel. And whenever I pass through, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. The ones that didn't have this blood, when he passed by, what happened? Death. When we approach God through Jesus Christ, what does he see? The blood. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. You go straight before him through you, it's death. But when I see the blood, I'll pass over. So just think about the Passover and what it paid for. Uh, one last scripture, Psalms 31. So, you know, we kind of started out, well, we've got a, we've got a problem. <laughs> God doesn't hear sinners. All sin comes short of the glory of God. Uh, death passed on all men for all sinned. Uh, so, we've kind of got a problem. Job saw it. I can't clean myself up. 
So we, we've got a problem there. How do we approach God? So we, we've got a problem. Psalm 31 and uh, verse 7. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. So Job's all, we got troubles. It's pretty easy to see we got troubles. But he says, I've considered your troubles. And he has a cure for your troubles. And what is it? It's mercy through Jesus Christ. He's our daysman. And that's what Job said. Oh, that's what we really need. There's, he didn't realize we had one. One that, that would reach into God and reach into us and be that daysman. One that would be in the forefront on our behalf. But we do. Jesus Christ is our daysman. He won. He pleads our case. Who's going to lay any charge to our account? Well, the devil probably will. And Jesus Christ, with his stained blood, will plead before uh, the judge. See these prints in my hands? See this, this pit in my side where my blood was shed? That was for this sheep. So, as we, whether it be in prayer or however we go, realize it's through Jesus Christ, whether it be our salvation, whether it be going to him in prayer, we don't look to ourselves. We see what we are. We go through, he's considered our trouble. He has a uh, plan of salvation for his sheep, and it's through Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word.